everyone welcome to the fifth episode of what's the scoop i am angana your host for today what's the scoop is led by the journalism students from symbiosis institute of media and communication who want to share their work and double in the different arenas of news presentation the geopolitical tension between ukraine and russia has had a negative impact on indian students pursuing higher education in a war torn country we will be starting with our first story narrated and written by arnadarshana titled survival or education the plight of indian medical students in ukraine indian medical students who narrowly escaped the ukraine war have been fighting different battles over the last 6 months although their education came to a standstill upon their arrival in india the universities in ukraine opened their doors for both offline and online classes around august and september this year However, with the Indian embassy strictly advising students not to resume offline classes by traveling to a war zone and with the National Medical Commission refusing to recognize medical courses done in online mode, the students find themselves torn between two closed doors. Despite Ukrainian universities' best efforts to bridge this gap in students' education, the teachers are sometimes forced to go into bunkers while taking classes. Shruti Sarvanan, a first-year medical student from Ukraine, who's currently based out of Tamil Nadu told us due to the war sometimes the classes will be off and the signals won't be proper of the teachers because they had to go into the under basement and everything for their protection we weren't able to attend all the classes Mukul Chaudhary a third year student who's currently staying in Faridabad also recollected so we were having a psychology class and suddenly there was a sound of siren so the teacher had to turn off the network and had to go to the bunker she came after 2 hours and said there was siren it is mandatory for us to go in the bunker during the alarm so that they can protect themselves so it is very disturbing for us we were in a lecture suddenly we are disturbed by siren and teachers were also and after that we are not able to resume the study with that much attention and focus as we were having under such stressful circumstances Students who wish to transfer to a different university are unable to do so because of the complications in the process of acquiring a transfer or expel certificate. Shruti, who is currently looking to transfer to a different school, told us. The thing is, we are not able to get our transfers and expulsion certificate. We just got our transcripts. If those who applied have got their transcripts, because the university requires us to come and visit. and then sign an official document like we are getting expelled on our own or discontinuing on our own and in person we have to sign a contract and if we do that we are officially expelled or we are discontinued but until then it's not official with no viable option to consider these students are awaiting the hearing that is to continue in the supreme court from october 11 with little hope and faith they continue to linger in the sidelines Thank you Nidarshana for an insightful story on such a sensitive topic. With the cryptocurrency market seeing a fair share of ups and downs in current times and with developments being made to move to lesser energy consuming options by users, we bring to you our next story on the recent shift that Ethereum has made in the domain as explained by Pritam Biswas. You might have seen Ethereum recently in the news. You might have also read about the merge, a historic overhaul from proof of work to proof of stake for cryptocurrency. But what do these terms mean? 
and is the change really historic? What lies ahead for blockchain and miners after this change? The crypto community has been overburdened with questions such as these. The merge means Ethereum's shift to a less power-hungry system for authenticating its crypto transactions. Every cryptocurrency has to undergo an authentication process that validates a transfer of amount. This previously was done through proof of work. A miner in blockchain validates a transaction and is always in the game for solving crypto puzzles to get the chance to publish the next block of transactions in a proof of work environment. Once they do it, they are rewarded with a mix of transaction fees and freshly mined Ether or other cryptocurrencies they are handling. Now that Ethereum has moved to proof of stake, a few things will change from the miner's perspective. Now miners have to stake up to 32 Ether blocks to be able to get into the competition for being selected by the network to create blocks. The more Ether a miner stakes into the pool, the more one has a chance of being selected by the network. This change in Ethereum's fundamental building block has created waves in the crypto space. Ethereum has claimed that proof-of-stake will cut energy usage by 99.5% and advocates on the stake side are also rejoicing at the fact that this move will take away control from the miners who can afford fancy, costlier systems to mine Ethereum faster. Transaction fees or speeds will hardly be altered though through this change, but this is a welcome move from the energy point of view. But will this survive the battle of the market? That will be analyzed over the next few months. Thank you Preetam for the simple explanation of the development in the cryptocurrency domain. Vaccines have long played a role in keeping diseases at bay, but people still have to fight taboos to avail them. One person dies of cervical cancer every eight minutes. India's first indigenous HPV vaccine can help save many lives due to its reasonable pricing and protection against different strains. Our next story is by Yukta Baird, who talks about the lack of awareness of the vaccine and the stigma attached to it. HPV or human papilloma virus is a disease that is associated with 90% of cervical cancer cases in India. The recently developed indigenous HPV vaccine by the Serum Institute of India could be a game changer in the prevention of the second most common cancer in women. However, the awareness and accessibility to the available HPV vaccines are still very low. We spoke to Dr. Neelkan Belvi, a gynecologist based out of Pune, and asked him about the factors that have failed in changing the perception of the people. Their awareness has started only since this year, or only recently. So half of them are not aware and half of them who are aware, they say that this is not going to work. Basically, we are not marketing it or we don't know, we are not reaching the people to take the vaccine. We are reaching only the superficial lot or we are reaching only some people who come to us. But it is important that every person knows that what is the vaccine, why it is to be taken, what are the benefits and it is available at a comfortable and an affordable price. If you tell a person who has to take the vaccine, which is 4,000 rupees. He is not, not, not going to take the vaccine, which is costly. So, cost is one thing, second thing is awareness. And the third thing is they should know when to take and how to take. And they should, even if they are aware, they should know the seriousness of it. So, that is what is important about it. Dr. Bailey also mentioned that there are no side effects to it and that the vaccine currently available on the market is quite expensive, especially for a person who is unaware of the disease's severity. 
India specifically comprises 15% of the total cervical cancer caused deaths in the world. To know more about the stigma attached to the HPV vaccine in the young generation, we spoke to Mohini, a college graduate who has administered the currently available vaccine recently. When I spoke about this on social media, when I told my friends that I had taken the HPV vaccine, they were all too shocked and they were even more shocked to know that my dad actually encouraged me to take it and he was the one who administered it to me. So I think there's a very strong stigma uh, amongst uh, you know my age group related to the HPV vaccine. One I think is um, they are in some sort of denial that nothing will happen to them. They're too young for anything to happen to them. But I know someone who was 21 and developed ovarian cancer. This is also why Serum Institute's vaccine, which is announced to be sold at around 200 to 400 rupees, could help fight the taboo associated with HPV being a sexually transmitted infection and the misconception that taking the vaccine would cause young people to become promiscuous. Thank you, Yukta, for informing us about the stigma and taboos still present in Indian society regarding HPV vaccinations. India has now entered the arena for multitude of sports on an international level, with the most recent being beach tennis. Our next story is by Tapasya Ayer, which offers an insight into the difficulties this sports faces in India and the future of it. As explained by one of India's beach tennis players, Unnat Sangle. Beach tennis is an emerging sport in our country. India, which is surrounded by coastal areas, has an abundance of infrastructural facilities to match the potential of the sport. Until this year, the sport was majorly played as a hobby in some parts of Goa and Pondicherry. Taking things forward, two players from Mumbai debuted in the International Beach Tennis Tournament that was conducted in September this year. The International Tennis Federation, the parent body of beach tennis, recognized the sport in 2010. ITF arranges the International Beach Tennis Tour every year and about 37 countries participate in the tournament. The pointing system of beach tennis is similar to lawn tennis. But in beach tennis, the ball cannot hit the surface throughout, almost like a combination of tennis and volleyball. In the very first time of playing at an international level, Unnat and Vishwajit reached the quarterfinals in Pattaya, Thailand. Their unimaginable final match was against one of the well-known Russian pairs. Unnat talks about the difficulties faced by the duo. The difference was huge. I mean, uh, you can imagine like they are playing that game for 7-8 years as a professional. And uh, even though we are players, we are playing different games. But uh, we were learning this game, so that was the very big difference because we were there as a, you can say, a newbie or uh, someone who is a student and they were there as a professional. So obviously they were, they had an upper hand over us, but uh, we were there for 15 days and we completed four tournaments there. So initial tournaments we were, uh, you know, uh, we were playing like uh, very unprofessional players. We were playing like a habitual game. We were playing. Mm-hmm. I was playing more like a badminton. My brother was playing more like a tennis. So we realized, you know, we have to change the approach. We have to be more aggressive. And uh, as an athlete, you know, you have to uh, like you uh, have sort of um, 
understanding what you have to learn and what you have to implement immediately and we started doing that and by end of it like like the last two tournaments we were playing way better in the next few years an increased level of awareness along with government schemes is needed to encourage more players and sports enthusiasts to experiment with beach tennis in india punnath elaborated on the future of this game in the country i'm sure people who are playing racket games like squash badminton tennis they should actually try this game and as i said uh, it is emerging in india but it is established like around the world so there are career opportunities as well and uh, so i would want uh, indians more indians to come and participate in world level competitions because uh, even europe and uh, america has their own world championship like european championship or american championship so we don't have asian championship yet so only thailand japan and china are the only countries who are playing this game so if we join that group then we might uh start a asian championship and for that i think we need more indians to participate thank you tapasya that certainly provided us with a glimpse into the life of indian beach tennis players and the potential future of the sport in the country the transgender community has been abused disdained and callously neglected in india for years their gender identity has been questioned and proper medical treatment has been denied to them our next story focuses on the vulnerability of the trans community to hiv virus and the insensitivity of the society i angana palchenia spoke to a few members of the community to know more about the battle they fight just to survive in everyday life transgenders in india are divided into many socio cultural groups including hijras kinnars shiv shaktis joktas and jogappas from social equality to social rights to education to employment the trans community has endured its dichotomous treatment by society they have been marginalized and revered simultaneously due to widespread discrimination at the workplace and primary education centers they don't land jobs that they deserve circumstantial situations and very little acceptance from home and society put them at a disadvantage the hiv infection rate for transgender people is four times than that of the general population which puts them at a risk of contracting other sexually transmitted infections while the government and non-profit organizations claim to take many initiatives that will benefit the community there is still a great deal of disparity and marginalization prachi a member of the transgender community in pune she tells us about how the jobs offered to them pay way lesser than their co-workers जो अभी एक लड़की या लड़का जो गर्ल्स या बॉयज जो काम कर सकते 
उसमें भी मैं काबिलत रहूंगी तो मुझे जॉब दो ना मेरे इंटरव्यू ले लो उसमें मैं जो काम कर सकती हूँ मुझे दे दो ना मैं तो एजुकेटेड हूँ मैं तो कर सकती हूँ The LGBTQIA+ community has seen significant progress in recent years, but the community believes there's still so much work to be done. Where do we draw the line between correcting someone and moral policing them? To understand the perspective of the people who have been cancelled or harassed for their point of views or actions, we have a story that talks about the impact cancel culture has on an individual's mental health. written by ridya shivastava ruchit rastogi and sashwat swarup garg cancel culture is the act of calling someone out over their views on a particular issue to an extent where they are forced to exclude themselves or are shunned from their social and professional circles this phenomena has seen a significant rise in recent times from celebrities to the general public who have been vocal about their opinions most have been a victim of this unwarranted social attack this not only bars the public from freely posting their opinions but also hampers the victim's mental health prior to world mental health day on october 10th we interacted with a few individuals who have been a victim of cancel culture let's hear their side of the story first we talked to mr saurabh khemaria who talks about the consequences of putting up a controversial post on social media promoter and monopa faruqi got beaten up in jabalpur i believe and i posted saying that artists whosoever it is whatever the views are whatever their affiliations may be should not get beaten up because what they are saying is just the expression of what they think it somehow does not fit into the political criteria and the social conundrum that we are living in i got various uh, hate comments regarding that you know you know you are a person who supports islamophobia you do not support them i did not remove my post i however put up an, another story saying that my meaning should not be taken out of context it did affect my mental health a bit because someone saying to me that you support islamophobia it is a very ridiculous thing for me next we spoke to ananya kalra who reflected on toxic fan culture i have watched a few animes but i've never found them great or anything so in one time i made an innocent joke about an anime called naruto on twitter i was attacked by the fans of this fan of the show they started calling me things that i can't tell here because they are extremely problematic and sensitive this affected my mental health in such a drastic way that i had to delete my elite my twitter account because of the harassment that i faced listening to these people makes it clear that cancel culture affects the person's mental health while some people gather the courage to take their stand for others it is a very dramatic experience thank you ridya richit and sashwat for a story that tells us about the lesser heard perspectives of the people who have been subjected to the trauma that cancel culture brings Roger Federer announced his retirement from professional tennis on September 15th this year. He played his last professional tennis match at Lever Cup in London. Our next story by Navya Sharma celebrates the legendary Swiss player's achievements on and off the court and how he inspired people all over the world. The man who played tennis with style, the Swiss racket-throwing teenager who over the years became one of the most polished tennis players. Federer was known for his powerful serves and amazing footwork. He displayed a great game of tennis for the last two decades and has now retired 
being a master of his game. Federer is leaving the game with a great track record of 103 ATP Tour singles titles, 20 Grand Slam singles titles, 310 weeks of being ranked number 1, a record 6 victories in season-ending tour finals, plus a Davis Cup trophy and two Olympic medals for Switzerland. The game of tennis will surely miss Federer, the player who uplifted the spirit of sports with his composure on the court and humanitarian outlook of it. Federer during his playing years surely inspired and taught young players. We talked to a tennis player and this is what she had to say. And I remember thinking that I was drawn more to Federer's composure and calmness when he's playing the game. Even though there are high stakes on it, if it's a final, it's a semi-final, people are booing, people are reacting and he's just so calm. Right? He loses a point, he makes an unforced error. And I think that was what fascinated me. His fans across the globe were left teary-eyed as he walked off the court one last time in the Laver Cup. Federer played his last game with his long-time rival and friend Rafael Nadal in the doubles match. This is what an ardent fan of Federer had to say about his retirement. As a fan, Roger Federer's retirement was very overwhelming for me. He has had that perfect journey throughout his career and has inspired so many lives on and off the field as well. His charm remains unbeaten for most of the people across the globe. Thank you Navya for giving a tribute to one of the best players to have ever graced the game of tennis. We'll surely miss seeing him play too. Thank you for listening to What's the Scoop. We hope you could connect to the stories we loved presenting. We'll be back with our next episode soon. Bye.